Israel Nash is a songwriter from Dripping Springs, Texas. His new album was produced by Adrian Quesada of the Black Pumas and recorded at Israel's home in Texas. The album, called Topaz, has an ethereal and mystical sound that draws you in. His lyrics are thoughtful and arranged in such a way that draws out the somber tones of the music. I had a chance to chat with him about this album, his songs, and what he's been up to during the pandemic. I hope you dig it. Well, the, the new album is called Topaz, and it has this really beautiful and, and unique sound to it. And uh, I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about the album in general. Well, you know, the album, um, you know, in a lot of ways for me, it was kind of the first album where, you know, the studio, my studio here that I've had for four, five, five years at this point, you know, it took a few years to kind of, learn how to use the studio you know i wasn't really from like i wasn't like a engineer or studio guy i was just a songwriter that made demos and stuff but wanted to be in the country and have a place to make records so slowly put this together and then and then you slowly kind of learn that stuff too if you're in, have a bit of an you know inquisitive mind and you start doing stuff and that kind of makes you realize that that not every record has to be um a lot of times when you make a record, there's a lot of organization and planning and people's schedules and time and calendars blocked off. And I think what was nice about Topaz, and I'm not going to make every record like this, but this was nice because I kind of made it piecemeal in between a, a busy touring cycle and all these kind of ups and just whenever I could, um, I'd, you know, I'd have a couple guys over, or I would just work by myself on it. So it never had that like immediate, like, everything is dropped for this one focus thing. It had a, I don't want to say it was like less important, but it, it didn't feel like it was the sole thing of the moment of the, you know, it just felt like a nice compliment to my life. Cause I just want to always, regardless of anything else is just like make music and make songs and make albums, you know, without, without the thoughts of, these discussions that we have and them coming out and all the other stuff or tours. I just want to, at one point, just be focused on making records and making music. And I feel like this having the studio and being at this place gave me that opportunity of doing it another way, you know? And, and I think that, yeah, it just kind of just changes how you make records and, and yeah, that was, that was kind of a nice departure, but that kind of allowed me to, you know, be putting together this, this kind of sonic palette and able for me just to sit here by myself and like try a bunch of different, you know, delay sounds, just stuff that you, I might not do in the studio with a bunch of people in here. You know, I might not, I wouldn't sit with a bunch of different delay pedals for three hours and just mess around and like that, you know, so you know, having the studio just, and, and more importantly, knowing how to use it kind of empowers you as a songwriter and producer and you know you're able to kind of grow and it begins to shape the songs you know you know what you can do with stuff and and like i said becomes kind of an instrument in and of itself you know and i think that's what kind of comes in for me with all the records at some level is that you know the studio is part of the sound and in a way to, to make expansive kind of headphone records that that create kind of a space you know 
Absolutely. Yeah. And the, the record was uh, produced by Adrian Quesada of uh, the, the Black Pumas. And I was interested in how that collaboration came about. Well, Adrian, you know, lives here in, in Austin down the road and, you know, Austin, that's just a, there's a, just a, a beautiful music scene out, out here, you know, um, and just make, you make friends, I guess. And, um, we had, uh, been pals and he played some guitar with me and invited me out to his studio and we did some stuff and, and, you know, I'd wanted to make this record kind of a different way. Like I was saying, just kind of less, um, focused on like, here's the official everything, you know, and just kind of told him this idea where I wanted to do a couple sessions with some guys for a couple of days, just get some Austin guys, make it easy. And, um, and yeah, he came out and, you know, we had some guys that he had used and some guys that I, that I've used in the past and just kind of like, I also kind of wanted to make something that was different from the last album, which was lifted, which had a lot of, a lot of sonic layers and stuff as well. But I wanted to make something like a little more folky or a little more like, I was kind of kind of like creaky and a little more lo-fi at times. And so we had like, you know, just drums and bass and piano like in a room. So there's bleed on the microphones and some of my takes are live vocal stuff with guitar. And, um, so there's kind of like a nice vibe to that, you know, and, and I was really digging what Adrian was doing with the Tomas and, um, and not only some of the groove ideas, but also just some of the sonic ideas and drum sounds. And, um, so we were kind of just sharing on, on just kind of like blending music, you know, I think that's what's cool about Adrian. I mean, if you know Adrian's kind of, you know, his, his history and his discography, it, it kind of expands. It's so expansive. It's like from, from world and like Latin influence stuff to like singer songwriter and like rock and roll stuff. I mean, he played with Prince for a little while. I mean, it's kind of insane and I, I think he shares that same vision I do that you can kind of blend music in a way. Um, so, you know, I, I was trying to take all these kind of like soul and funk elements and blend it with like a kind of like folk and immediate kind of folk and American sort of music. Um, and he was just a great producer to do that with. Cause you know, it's just like, it was just really fluid for us to work together like that. Right. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I, I was picking up on a bunch of different um, sonic influences on on the record, at least things that seemed kind of like influences to me, like Neil Young and and um, Pink Floyd. The, the steel guitar kind of reminded me of Pink Floyd. Some of the background vocals reminded me of Dark Side of the Moon a little bit. And um, I was, it, it, would you, did you guys have a like a, an intention of the sound when you started recording, or did everything could just kind of come together the way it did? Well, I mean, really, it was like you know, like the, the band that, you know, we would just like, we just did like four tracks. We did eight tracks in two days for each day. Hmm. And they were just com completely basic, you know, and Adrian added, would add some like electric guitar and he's kind of like the king of those, like kind of like Motown, like stabs and rhythm, mm -hmm. tight rhythm stuff. Right. Um, and really then, and you know, then I kind of just 
decorated it for a while, you know, and just put more guitars and sounds. You know, you'd hear I'd hear something in my head and come back to something and just didn't really have a deadline on it, you know? Right. Um, but at the same time, wasn't like working on it nonstop, you know? I would just have these little moments and then I'd write a new song and get the band back in there and just do one song. Um, and I knew that I had always kind of, some of those, a couple of those songs I had always written to have some some horns in, you know, like dividing lines and down in the country. I made those those whole musical breaks with the idea and I had put horn, like I made arrangements and stuff on the demos. Um, so, you know, that's kind of how the sounds really just came together over time, you know, um, it just, and I hadn't done that before, you know, normally it was kind of like, this is how it's going to go. I mean, I knew these, I knew kind of a general idea of, of like what instrumentations I was wanting, but then the sound just kept on evolving. Cause then I was like, then I knew, you know, I wanted to get, um, these, the girls like singing, you know, rocking in and kind of add another texture. Cause I did like all the other harmonies and, so yeah, it just kind of kept on growing. I have someone over, you know, and I'd have them throw a part on, you know, do something. And it, it was just kind of really fun and laid back like that and organic, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Well, there's a, a video for Canyon heart that is, is you performing the song. Um, and that's in your studio, I assume, right? Yeah. Okay. And then um, there's a couple of pieces of gear in there that I just thought, I, I didn't know what they were. I thought it was fascinating. You started off with this weird kind of loop and then there's a, like a drum machine. Um, what is it, what, are, what were those, those pieces of gear in that, in that video? So I have this um, Boss Tech four-track cassette um, recorder, four-track right. tape, tape deck. And I mean, that's what I kind of grew up making demos as a kid, just like on four tracks. And I didn't have one for a while. And I got a, I got one a while back. To, it's fun to kind of make demos on. And, and there are people that'll make like loops and synths on the four track and build things out, like where you could play it live, you know, where each track will have like a different note. You can build chords and by just turning the volume up. Um, so I kind of made these pads that I could, that I could kind of, I can't like, you know, move it very much when I'm live, but I kind of balance them out and move them a little bit here throughout the song. And, and then I have this, uh, it was one of the original, um, one of the first drum machines from the early seventies, 72, I believe. Um, and it's this analog drum machine called the Maestro Rhythm King. And it was the uh, Sly and the Family Stone used it, and they called it the Funk Box. And you just push these buttons, and it would play a loop. You know, you didn't, and if you you could, like, push down two buttons, and it would combine, but they figured out you could push three buttons down and get just this real, like, funky kind of groove that's just, like, multi-rhythmic, polyrhythmic kind of thing. Um so I use that and it's funny, it's got like a foot switch that you can like come come in and come out so you can have, you know, the breakdown or 
um, have a rest or something. <laughs> um, so yeah, I got that. And then I, and then I'll, you know, I, I, I'll like do this weird, I'll split my guitar signal into two signals. So I have like a regular guitar and then I can have a, an effects line that's like, and I'll use, um, the, the electro harmonics has this Mellotron pedal. And, um, I don't know if you want me to get that nerdy, but <laughs> no, go for it. I like a, it. <laughs> and then it's a, I have a volume pedal on that. So I can kind of like swell things in on choruses, like, um, strings and things like that. So, you know, it's just like you get in here and you want to play around and it's like, well, I could sit here with a guitar or like, well, let's make it fun and use the studio and, um, you know, see where we can go. Absolutely. Now, the the in this time period where everyone's been live streaming and whatnot, uh, I've I've noticed uh, uh, most people set up a microphone, sit in front of a computer, and play, which is great, you know, and, and people like hearing that. But then other, I've seen other artists try and you know kind of expand the soundscape a little bit and mess around with things. I it, that 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 video was really impressive to me. It sounded it sounded really cool. It had a unique uh, look and sound to it, and uh, I thought that was that was really uh, really creative. Thank you. I was like, you know, that's important to me too to to be able to still like present stuff that still has like an artistic you know a, a something that we're that there's been thought put into it you know and it's a, i think that's what the live stream sort of robs that dimension of it you know and um and i've done some and i you know i've been able to do a lot of these like private live streams for super fans which has been really helpful through the t this time. And those have been great and meaningful, you know, um, but it's been a hard time to kind of actually create, like I was saying, just because generally, no matter who you are, you, you're used to doing that with a group of people and people help me bring that to life and make it easier. And I could make a record by myself in here, but it would take forever. And that would be, it's exhausting, you know, to try to do everything yourself here and, it's like a time that people are doing more, but having less help or things like that. Um, so yeah, I think that, I think it was, it's been nice to try to stretch the creative, you know, options here with what you have and what's going on right now. So but I like that challenge. I need it, you know, in life. Right. Right. Well, I like the song dividing lines uh, quite a bit. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about where that song came from. Well, you know, that, that song was just about the divisions that people have, you know, whether it's, I think, you know, immediately like feeling, you know, sensitive to, to this, to the time that we've had and maybe the time that's kind of been going on for four years and, um, with just divisions politically and, and, you know, but I think it also just lends itself to just divisions between people that we see. We fail to see all the things that we share in common, whether that's, you know, that, hey, we're folks just breathing, trying to live and trying to make a life or being Americans and being a human being, you know, all this stuff, you know, um, seeing the, the similarities over the differences, you know, and, and about how the divisions just break up love and growth and relationships. So, you know, I think it's a song for, for any of those things, but 
but it feels it feels it feels strong. You know, I feel like it was always a song kind of geared though towards the, the political climate, um, and it was a song that evolved over time. You know, I I rewrote the verse like three times actually, and I don't have that many songs in my whole career that I've kind of gone back to. But I was working on that song over a few years. It just not all the time. I would just be tired of it. And then six months later, just still hear, hear that chorus. So it just took me a while to get the verse right. But, but it did, I think. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. I think it's good. It's, it's, it's such a hard thing to, to talk about. And, and, and especially I, I assume to, to write about as well, because it's such a sensitive topic. Um, it, it, it felt like, I felt like you did a good job with that one. Thank you. I wanted to do that on this record. Just, you know, I always have like a song on an album that has some sort of, I don't want to even say, I even hate to say the word political because then that kind of gets watered down, but just, you know, a statement of the human condition or um, Mm -hmm. the way things are, the way that I'd like them to be or um, common sense or sensible things. But, but yeah, this is a record that I think is sort of, talks about some of those things and and it sort of has a feel that it's kind of moody and vibey really you know has a, has a mood to it right right well the song stay has this um really soulful groove to it and this really beautiful solo at the end um I, i'd like to hear about um uh, that song and uh um uh, what kind of what you were thinking of when you wrote that song well i was i was you know on the last touring cycle, I would be, you know, sometimes you'd be home for three days, you know, or sometimes you'd be home for a couple of weeks. Um, and sometimes when you're on tour as a songwriter, you know, it's just not a place that you write songs on the road. It's not a space or a energy that is conducive for songwriting normally. And, um, so sometimes you can be just like on tour for a long, for a year, year and a half, and just feel like you haven't really written that many songs because you've just been busy on the road. And, you know, especially with having the studio and knowing how to use some stuff and not realizing I didn't, it didn't take as much to organize the thing, like I was saying. It kind of made it where I could be like, okay, I'm going to be home for a few weeks. That would kind of give me the energy to make sure I got a song done or written at least it would kind of give me something to look forward to which is kind of what we always need in life i think is something to look forward to it gives us energy and stuff and you know so i kind of wrote the song and then went on tour and knew that i needed to i wanted to record it because i've got the studio and that makes it easier so um I kind of made that plan where I was on tour and I remember setting up this session with some other guys that were local in Austin. So I could, you know, record, have a couple of days to record that song. And so, you know, and it was just about that. Just wanted to stay at this place. I love this place, you know, um, this is a, a good place to live. And, um, my whole family lives here. So that, um, that guitar solo at the end. Are you playing on that, um, that, that solo? I did not. I had a, a real proper shredder on that one. Um, 
<laughs> my buddy Curtis Roush, who plays in a band called Bright Light Social Hour from okay. Austin. And and there's like a sax solo going in the end. Right. It's like the first Israel Nash sax solo in a song. So um, <laughs> that was fun. It was like songs just call for stuff, you know, and you can like throw the kitchen sink at songs and see what sticks. But some, like I wouldn't just be like, yeah, throw a saxophone solo on it. But, you know, that was a song that I just remember at the end just being like, I want to hear that. Um and that's what's cool about music and studio and kind of doing this for longer. You kind of can hear what you want and communicate it and get it out a little bit easier. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I love that. I love that outro of the song. Well, man, that's all the questions I had for you. Is there uh, anything else you wanted to say before we wrap things up? No, um, all good. It's all just, right. uh, I think it's, it's just important to, always create stuff just always make things and you know just the spirit of humans like taking an idea and turning it into something real is is a powerful thing and you know i think that that's that's something i always encourage fans in person to do and i and it it doesn't have to be a song or something artistic you know it can just be like starting a garden you know but making things it's, it makes you. It, it's a stuff that makes you feel. And now that the world hopefully will be back open, it's easier to do that because it's easier to do that with a community of people, you know. Um, right. And it's usually it's easier to feel more comfortable in your own head and in your own skin when you when you share joys and and burdens with other people. So you know, it's like community is important. We've been definitely limited in that. Um, so. May music unite us.